Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I am past the age when I feel the need to have an impressive car to impress people with. I went through that when I started my career here in Southern California. I purchased a 1956 Bentley Park War, Mulliner Park Ward convertible. And it cost... Welcome to A Lot to Learn with Austin Rogers. For the guy who knows everything, he's still got a lot to learn. On an overcast mid-September morning, at around 8.15 a.m., my producer Marie and I awaited Allison, Jeopardy's Director of Communications. We were tired. We had been sitting in a car outside the walls of a Studio City Los Angeles house for around five minutes. The night before, though, we had been at O'Brien's, a Santa Monica bar popular for its trivia nights. That night, a team with tournament champion second-place finisher Alan Lynn and I, in a very last-minute tiebreaker, beat another team, led by Pam Muller and the winningest game show contestant in the history of the world, Brad Rutter. After perhaps the most momentous and joyous win of my trivia career, celebrations were had and sleep was not. We were tired. Upon Allison's arrival, we drove through the powered gate into what at first looked like a modest home. Then we noticed the side buildings and that the Spanish-style main house was built almost at this side of the steep hills of the surrounding valley. We would later find out that the house was constructed in the 20s or 30s by a producer who made his money off of cowboy films. And within those hills, in the rear of the complex, a western-themed 200-person ballroom, originally part of the property, was later repurposed by the current owner as a private screening theater. In a way, the home was opposite of this week's guest, Alex Trebek. Whereas the house, at first glimpse, seems of moderate size and accessible, yet is secretly a sprawling compound, Alex seems, in his polished garb and erudite pronunciation, a paragon of inaccessibility, yet in reality is very much a humble man of relatively normal background. Reinforcing the narrative, Alex met us at his front door in a denim work shirt, took us through a foyer, past a small library full of vinyl, and into his home office. Books on military history and religion were upon the shelves, keys to cities, and official proclamations for Alex Trebek Day and the like were on the walls. I set up my mics, Alex took a seat at his high-backed leather desk chair, and we began. I am so pleased to bring you part one of my two-part interview with the host of Jeopardy, an American and Canadian icon, Alex Trebek. Welcome, 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 welcome. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good night. I have no idea what time it is because it is a podcast and people listen to podcasts whenever they might. Today is immensely special and I feel immensely privileged because we have been welcomed into the home of the one, the only, the Mr. Alex Trebek. Alex, hi. Good to have you here. No, <laughs> good to have you here. This is uh, this is exciting as all get out. Uh, we are in 
Not too sunny California right now. And, a little uh, overcast today for some reason, but that's all right. And the tournament of champions had just taped. Mm-hmm. Um, and I cannot tell you who won or who was in the final. I do not want to know, and I want everyone else to be surprised when it airs. Good. Uh, but we're not going to talk about Jeopardy, because... That's all on the record. You want to know uh, anything about Alex's history with Jeopardy and rising through the ranks of radio in Canada? It's all out there. And also, you're probably sick of it because every single day during Jeopardy, in the breaks, people ask the same questions over and over again. What's the hardest answer you've ever asked? And uh, Yeah, but uh, what you have to remember is that although I've, I've heard those questions hundreds of times, for that individual asking the question, it's their first and only time they will get to ask it. And so I don't want to demean them. I don't want to diminish the importance of their question. And I try to answer as fully as I can, even though the response I give is the same one I've given probably <laughs> 30 or 40 times in the past month. Right. Uh, if you couldn't be host Jeopardy, what would you be? You're like, I, uh, Royal Governor of Canada, correct? No, Governor General. Governor General of Canada. Or uh, Pope. If I were not hosting Jeopardy, I would <laughs> like to have been Pope. And when you're not working on Jeopardy, what do you do? I work around the house. I love fixing things. And that's, and exactly. that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. Um Handiwork, homework, one of the photos of you uh, went viral, knee-deep in the floorboards of your bathroom. My wife's bathroom. I uh, decided this year, because it's been pending for a long time, to redo her bathroom the way she wanted it done. And she wanted a soaking tub. She wanted her old jacuzzi-type tub taken out, and that was an ordeal. We had to cut it. It's uh, cast iron covered with porcelain, of course, and we had to cut it in three pieces because it was so big and so heavy we couldn't get it out. Sawzall? Sawzall, metal cutter, and uh, I can't remember if we used a torch on it also, but we finally (laughs) got it out, and she wanted a soaking tub, and I said, well, we'd better reinforce the floor. So I crawled into the crawl space under her bathroom, and I said... We're going to need some support here, and I also have to readjust the floor joists in order to accommodate the incoming water lines. So I did that, and uh, when we show it at tapings of Jeopardy, uh, the audience reacts in a positive way because we show them the before and the after, and the after looks pretty good. The after does look pretty good, and all the fixtures, tiles, everything, that was uh, all, all your choices, or, or were you guided from above by, by the misses? Oh, no, I, Jeannie is the one who selected uh, the tiles. She picked uh, the pattern for the floor tile, and uh, I stayed out of that part. I, I hired the subs when I wasn't doing work, and uh, it all seemed to have worked out pretty well. There's, uh, she's happy with it. I'm happy. And uh, uh, her next project is her office and her closet. We've done her closet. She wanted it wallpapered. I said, who wallpapers a closet? <laughs> hidden by all the clothing. Didn't matter. But her closet looks darn good. And now her office, uh, we just sent her sofa out to be reupholstered um, yesterday and that'll come back in a week or two and then 
her little area, her bathroom, office, closet, all in one corner of the house on the main floor, uh, will have been done. And she will be happy. And that will make me very happy. <laughs> um, all right. So let's let's go through the start. You know, when you're when you're demoing uh when you're demoing a floor and a wall to make room for this like heavy duty bathtub, what are you what are you looking for to make sure that uh you know the bones of the home are strong and structurally sound? Well, let me use my daughter's house as an example. Perfect. She decided she wanted to start a career as a home renovator. So I helped her out, and she bought a small house in Sherman Oaks, and she was going to renovate that. And I said, she asked me for my help. I said, sure. So I started demoing that, and the first thing I had to demo was a brick uh, wall that was three feet high. It was almost like a a divider planter in the middle of the house. Well, not quite the middle, but off to the side, uh, separating the dining area from the living room. Area. Oh, sort of like a three-quarter high, yeah. Yeah. And of that typical 50s sort of era feeling. You got it. And so I started, and uh, I have large pry bars. I have power equipment, and... Away I went, and then I noticed that, whoops, there's a beam here that is being supported by a pole at the corner of this wall, so we have to shore that up. So we're going to need to support the whole ceiling, and that's about 22, 24 feet long, right? Okay, so she hired an architect and got plans done, and then I hired uh, a builder, and I worked with him, and a lot of the grunt work is the kind of stuff that I wind up doing. I get to crawl. <laughs> you under, get the hammer. I get to crawl under the under the the floor. I pulled out the. I'm trying to remember who had the house before some show business personality, but it was his office, and he must have had a dozen phone lines going in there. And oh. I pulled out, and I have them in my shop out there. Uh, probably, oh, close to a thousand feet of telephone wire. What did he have? Like his own private switchboard? Like not quite, but almost. Yeah, you know, you'll need two or three fax lines, two or three whatever lines, uh, right, for the internet and An- phone lines, analog for your office. Yep. And uh, so I, I kept pulling stuff out and advising her, and finally we finished it, and fortunately. Or unfortunately, she liked it so much, she decided she was not going to sell it. She was going to live there. <laughs> isn't that isn't that the case? My brother's been buying homes too up uh, in upstate New York, and uh, half of them he's like, eh, "Should I?" I'm like, "You already got a house. Do you yeah. need Do you need another?" So she's happy in that house, and then she had to, after making that decision to stay there, uh, we had to find another place for her to fix up, and she did, and. She did not want my help at all in the next one. We butted heads a little bit in the first one because is that because you did such a good job? No, it's because <laughs> it's because uh, she has definite ideas about how she wants to decorate or lay out uh, the rooms, and 
I'm very old-fashioned in that I don't necessarily think it's always the best idea to throw stuff out, and she does. She she wants to get rid of all that old stuff and replace it with brand new. And I say, well, wait a minute, this is perfectly good and it, it's useful and it's not bad looking. And but no. So in our second house, she did it all on her own, sold that house and set a record for. Uh, price per square foot in that area. So I'm not worried about how successful she's going to be. I guess you're uh, you're cut out of the loop on this one then. Absolutely, and I don't mind. <laughs> but every once in a while when she needs my help, she'll come to me and say, can you look in? Can you do this? Can you do that? Where'd this come from? Were you, uh, were you handy growing up? Uh, you, yeah, did I your was. family do uh, you know any hard work and labor and stuff or just a knack for it? All of my mother's brothers were involved in one way or another in the construction industry. Got it. Either in carpentry, uh, painting, uh, manufacturing windows, doors, things like that. And so I watched them as I was growing up. My dad was not very handy at all. Uh, but I paid attention to mom's brothers, my uncles, and I saw how they did things. I had one uncle whom I loved, when I bought my first house in Toronto shortly after moving there to uh, work for the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, it needed fixing up and it needed painting. And there were a lot of windows. And I don't like painting windows too No, much. they're terrible. And my Uncle Arnold, I had him take the train from Sudbury, my hometown where he lived, to Toronto, eight-hour trip, and I asked him to paint the house, and he said, sure, and he said, I'm going to not rush this. He says, I'm older now, and uh, I, I don't work as fast as I used to. I said, that's fine, Uncle Arnold, and he started, and the great thing about Uncle Arnold is that he was ambidextrous, so he- Truly, could, though. Yes, yeah. and he could cut windows with his left hand or his right hand. And he would just sit there on a stool or on the windowsill, cigarette in one hand, paintbrush in the other, taking his time, and painted the house. And then moved to the other hand. Yep. So he's not moving the ladder. He, he could stand have... and do this side, stand yep. and do that. Absolutely. Wow, could and you imagine if everyone could do that? Yeah. And, uh, and he didn't get a lot of paint on the glass, and that was wonderful also. And Without he... tape. Without tape. Oh, my God. No tape. No, oh, yeah, tapes, you know, tapes for weaklings. Yeah, you're cutting windows. You're not uh, taping them and then splashing paint and then pulling the tape off. Yeah. That's... So that was fun. And then he left, and I thanked him. And uh, um, But again, just paying attention whenever subs have come to do work, whether they be plumbers or electricians, I watch and I look carefully at what they're doing. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And I say, you know, I could do that if I had that tool, if I had uh, these parts. And uh, yeah, in a while I'll take you into the garage and show you. It's a mess now because I've got so much stuff stored there. There's no room for a car, of course. It's a three-car garage that has no zero room. cars zero cars and uh, but you'll see i'm i'm well equipped to handle almost anything that's your uh, that's your toy shopping spree uh no the midlife crisis didn't uh, hit hit the porsche and the lamborghini bug it hit the uh table saw and uh and uh dremel rotary tool bug absolutely we, we have one uh stage manager at jeopardy who also works on wheel of fortune and when we were taping our Tournament of Champions yesterday, I pulled up and I said, holy smokes, that's a brand new Porsche, all electric vehicle. I said, who does this belong to? And they told me, I said, wow, okay. Said, was it was it Glenn? No. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> no, he's, a, he's a Corvette guy. Is he? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, okay, we don't don't rat him out. We <laughs> we'll let the uh, Jeopardy rabbit hole figure that one out. Good. An all electric Porsche, Jesus, uh, if only. Um, so, what's what was the biggest guilty pleasure tool that you're like? I broke the bank on this. I really don't need it, but I gotta have it. Oh boy, I don't usually waste money on tools unless you count the number of the same kind of tool. I have a lot of drills. A lot of drills. I have a lot of saws. I have enough screwdrivers of all types to last me and you for the rest of our <laughs> lives, even if we break one every year. Uh, so I don't splurge on big items. Uh, power washer, that was a good purchase. A uh, with the power washer, though, is that one of those, you know, the old adage, if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail? Is the, with the, When you have the power washer, you're like, yeah, I could power wash this. Yeah, all right. You, no. No. no uh, I don't look at my tools that way. And unfortunately, sometimes things like power washers and uh, pressure tanks, air pressure tanks, sit there for too long and they get... They develop problems, and then I have to take them in to be serviced. But uh, no, if, if there's a need, and I did buy, oh, one, one tool I purchased that I had occasion to use only once, and that is a propane tank with a burner attachment on the end for repairing roofs with... Uh, the kind of material that has to be fired. Right. You fire the flame, and that softens it, and then it sticks. And then the you room. lay it down. Then, yeah, as you're as you're laying it down, you're you're burning it, and uh, uh, so uh, 
that was a one-off. That's a pretty specialty piece I've, of equipment. I've only used that once. Yeah, I could see that. But if I get a leak up there, I'm <laughs> dragging that sucker onto the roof and uh, doing my thing. I think there's another uh, video of uh, or video or photo of yourself that went sort of viral of you doing exactly that. You are on the roof of something with either a nail gun or a drill gun and some tiles in hand. Uh, I think it's so absolutely amazing that here you are at the pinnacle of your profession yet you're like i got i just got to do this i don't want someone else to do this i got to do this it's not always that i don't want someone else to do it it's that you can't get someone else to come and do it immediately usually they'll say okay we can get to you a week and a half from this thursday mm -hmm. and i don't like that <laughs> i want it done now so if I can do it, I'll do it. I've become very adept at walking on uh, Spanish tiles on the roof without cracking them. And uh, even though I outweigh most Hispanic workmen who uh, can walk on anything and not break it. Uh, but uh, I get out there and I do my thing and I try to... One of the amazing things about leaks, and I've just dealt with a situation... Pardon my ignorance but how does one get leaks in a place that doesn't rain it's going to rain and last year it rained a lot uh, very very hard for quite a while and we got more rain last year than we than, than we've had in many a year and as a result there was a lot of flooding there was flooding in the garage so i wanted to deal with that issue this year and so I did. I installed a new drain line outside in the uh, garden area, and I had a workman come in and dig a trench for me to put in another run. And by golly, we found uh, a drain hidden in the ground. And I tested it. I said, hey, it works. It's still good. So that's great. And then I poured some concrete to keep the water from flowing down between the outside wall and the garage so oh yeah hopefully it will not leak into the garage but some might who knows but at least i've made a pretty good effort at dealing with that problem but i'll find out when it rains so i'm eagerly <laughs> waiting for the, <laughs> the rain to come and they'll be here in about a month and a half so is that is that the rainy season in los angeles it'll start uh, late november december that's when the first rains are coming. I guess when I was here last in January, it actually, yeah, it rained like three straight days while I was here. And uh, and then I left and my friends texted me saying, it's beautiful now. You took the rain with you. Yeah. But the rains came back in February and March. So we'll, we'll get rain. Nice, nice. What do you, uh, I'm, segue quick. I'm a, I am a car nut. I'm a, quite a psycho car nut. But um you drive a nice uh, Dodge pickup. Mm -hmm. uh, that's just a natural extension of your uh, your workman-like bent? I don't know. Um, perhaps more than that, it's just an indication that I am past the age when I feel the need to have an impressive car to impress people with. I went through that when I started my career here in Southern California. I purchased a 1956 Bentley Park War, Mulliner Park Ward convertible. And it cost, I think, $34,000 at that time. It was very impressive. 
And I recall driving home from NBC Studios in Burbank one day, and I was on the Ventura Freeway, and a white, newer Cadillac convertible pulled up next to me, and behind the wheel was Wilt Chamberlain. (laughs) And Wilt looked over at me and at my car, and he said, fine-looking car. And I looked over in his direction at the blonde lady sitting next to him, and I said, good-looking companion. (laughs) Uh, And he just drove on. But that car was a beauty, and I sold it some years later for $54,000 because I needed the money to build my first house here in Southern California. And if I were to try and buy a similar model Bentley convertible now, it would cost a million and a half. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. But then I bought an Italian car. One of the first cars that I really wanted when I began in broadcasting, I was 22 years old, and I saw a commercial for, I forget what the product was, but in the commercial they used a Ferrari Daytona Roadster. Yep. And that car, at that time, sold for $26,000. I couldn't afford it, but I thought it was beautiful. And then when I came to California, by then it would cost well over a hundred or $200,000 for that vehicle. But the guy who had designed it had designed another car called the Italia, which could be bought for much less. So I bought an Italia. And I fixed it up and redid the interior myself. I had uh, an upholstery shop do the seats, but I did all the the uh, the interior of the auto and the carpeting and stuff like that. And uh, that was a wonderful car. But unfortunately, here in Southern California, with a lot of stop-and-go traffic and the tremendous heat, it kept overheating. Yep. And so I finally decided I'm going to sell this one. And I sold it to a guy who drove it to Arizona. And I told him beforehand, I said, you got to be careful because although I put in a new radiator and two extra fans, I said, the car will overheat. He called me back that night and said, made it all the way, not a problem, did not overheat once. I'm here home in Arizona. Good for you. So... Yeah, so I've had the Italia, I've had uh, a Jaguar uh, XK140, and I've had the Bentley. So those were the exotic cars, if you will, of my youth. But since then, hey, I'm not out to impress anybody with what I'm driving. I, I don't have to show off that way. And what I've discovered over the years is that having a pickup truck is really handy. If you're moving furniture, if you're doing work around the house, if you need to haul stuff, it's great. But then having a pickup truck means you're the friend with the pickup truck. So you get the phone call like, That's okay. uh, hey, Alex, can I, can I, uh, you want to come over and help me with the couch? In Canada, in the 1960s, I had a 1965 Cadillac convertible, which was my pickup truck. I was building a ski chalet at Georgian Bay, and I would haul 10 and 12 foot lengths of lumber in my convertible. I'd set the edge on the dash. 
I'd unzip the rear window. Oh, and right. Have the, the lumber sticking out, and it never stuck out beyond the, the rear bumper because that automobile, the 65 and the 66 Cadillac, are so long. I wanted to buy one not too long ago just to revisit my youth, if you will. And it wouldn't fit in the garage, so I passed on it. Yeah, those I uh, those a friend of my father's stored one in one of the barns at my house for uh, a year or so, and it was white with a burgundy leather interior, and it had power windows and power mirrors and everything. Is it still available? I Can don't I know. It? I don't know what happened to that. But it was a 1965, and this will be like in the early to mid 80s when I was a kid, and. Our family cars didn't have power windows or power locks or power mirrors or air conditioning. And here was this 21, 24-year-old car in the 1980s that uh, had all of that. I'm like, what? Cadillac? Whoa! When Um, you get rich... You can buy one yourself, but right now, crank that window. Yes, exactly. And now the now the funny thing is, I've got like two cars. I've got my like daily driver car, but I've got my collectible collectible car. That's not even a word. And my collectible car is uh, of my youth. It's a 1989 Honda Civic station wagon. Uh-huh. It was the car I one of the first cars I ever owned, except. Mine, the one I had, was called the Ratmobile. It had a crack through the window, no muffler, one headlight. Uh, and uh, there's a really good version of it that had four-wheel drive and a six-speed transmission. Mm-hmm. So when I won Jeopardy, I found that in Salt Lake City, Utah, bought it on eBay, beat 43 other bidders, flew out sight unseen. The owner couldn't be there to give me the car, the keys, so he left it under the doormat. I literally picked up the doormat, saw my new car, unlocked it, put New York plates on, and drove it back from Salt Lake City to New York. Way to go. Not a hitch. Not a hitch in a 1989 Honda. And have you re- revamped it since then? I, it, it, was in, it was in mint condition. Oh, well. Yeah, it, it's untouched. I took it to a car show, and they were like, are you going to modify this? I go, no, absolutely not. It stays like this. It's, it's a time capsule. Uh, everywhere I drive, people are like, are you selling that? I go, Absolutely not. Uh, so that was my revisiting youth, and I, I like the the contrast. Your revisiting youth is an awesome Cadillac, and mine's a dorky Honda station wagon. <laughs> Another car that uh, takes me back quite some ways. I owned the VW Thing. Oh, the Things are awesome! And uh, I sold that in order to buy the Italia. The- I traded it in. To get the Italian. That's quite an upgrade. There's, I, yes, there's a indeed. company around the corner right now that sells electrified things. Oh. Yeah, they take full modern electric uh, underpinnings and they put it in a, I, I do not remember the name of the company, but they put it in a Volkswagen thing. So the old school thing, in essence, becomes your city runabout. Of course, just don't ever crash. into anything ever right (laughs) well let's take a quick break right now and we'll come up with a round two with mr alex trebek where we're going to talk about the english moors okay all right sure this is a little to learn with austin rogers moments ago alex mentioned his volkswagen thing Today, on A Little to Learn, we're going to learn a little bit about uh, the world's largest automaker, Volkswagen. Here we go. 
Ferdinand Porsche, yes, that Ferdinand Porsche, was tasked by Adolf Hitler, yes, that Adolf Hitler, to create a German people's car or the Volkswagen. He created the KDF Wagen or Strength Through Joy car. So VW's origins and Porsche's is steeped in Nazi Germany. But in all of that, it would have been a moot point, a footnote of history, without British Army Major Ivan Hurst. After World War II, Hurst was in charge of all factories within the British-occupied zone, and that included the KDF Stadt, or what would be renamed Volkswagen's Wolfsburg factory. Originally using it to maintain Allied equipment, Hearst found a left-behind KDF wagon, found the factory to be fully functional, and then convinced the British Army to order 20,000 KDF wagons to use in occupied Germany and as a way to rehabilitate the local German economy. Even though the factory only had a partial roof, it was producing 1,000 cars a month only one year after the end of the war. Later on, in 1948, the factory was offered for free by the British government to British, American, and French automakers. All refused, the Brits saying, quote, the car is quite unattractive to the motor car buyer, unquote, and Henry Ford II's aide advising, quote, Mr. Ford, I don't think what we're being offered here is worth a dime, unquote. The KDF wagon would be renamed the Type 1, better known as the Beetle, and in 2003, the 21,529,464th and final model rolled off the assembly line, and it could have been Ford the whole time. This has been a little to learn with Austin Rogers, and now back to a lot to learn. Still, unfortunately, with Austin Rogers. At this point, we took a break, and Alex showed me to his garage. Indeed, he does have too many belt sanders, and a wall of his garage looks much like a hardware store, mostly because several years ago, he bought the stock of a defunct hardware store. While showing me his workbenches and immaculately organized walls of tools, paints, washers, and miscellany, he discovered standing water on the concrete floor. Alex tracked the leak to a corner, explained that a valve mustn't have been closed after his last irrigation work, and then said, I'll be right back. He went to investigate. I went back to his office and awaited his return, and when he did, we sat down and began the second part of the interview. Tune in next week when Alex and I talk about his family vacations to the English countryside and his overwhelming affection for the works and lives of the Bronte sisters. Lot to Learn with Austin Rogers is produced by Limitless Media, Maria Gibson, and Austin Rogers. That's me. Support this program at patreon.com slash austinrogers, and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. A Lot to Learn airs every Thursday, unless I messed up, then maybe Friday. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.